0: Welcome back to all of our listeners out there. And we are honored to have Dr. Julie White with us, the president of Fort Stillicum campus. Uh, thank you so much, Julie, for making the time. Like we said with Dr. Kane, we know that your schedule is just outrageous. And so for you to even have the time to do this with us, just thank you so much. Um, it's so much fun every time. I mean, it, it's have so much mm-hmm. respect for you and, and, the approach that you have taken since you've been here, and just like Dr. Kane, you are you are one of the newer faces here. I'm, I'm, I'm looking, and it was pretty. Well, we're in July, so you're getting ready to celebrate an anniversary as well. That you've been here two years now. Is it is it going on two years? Yeah,
1: nice. It it was two years yesterday was my anniversary. Congratulations, yeah. and thank and it's, you. It's been
0: an absolute pleasure to to be working alongside you. Um, with all of the efforts that we're doing here at Pierce but you know let's just dive right into it to get to know you so um, what I do know is that you were coming uh, from New York like Mm -hmm. uh, is where immediately where you were coming from here so tell us a little bit about that transition of coming from one side of the country up in that side of the corner all the way over to the exact opposite side of the country how was that how has that been for you
1: Uh, It's been amazing. I mean, I loved my time in New York. I spent most of my adult life in Western and Central New York, so about as far away from New York City as you can get. Because I know when people hear New York, they think about the city. But I lived in Rochester, New York, and uh, then Syracuse, New York. And so uh, more of a, you know, in in many ways, more of a Midwestern feel. there was a lot of farmland surrounding those cities. Actually, Tacoma reminds me a lot of Rochester, because both of them were formerly powered by industry and manufacturing in a lot of ways, and Syracuse as well. Um, but uh, now I think there's a lot, there a lot, is a lot of culture and arts and education and healthcare are really the main industries now, and that's true for both. And both are they're about a similar size, just a similar feel. So. Feels like home, um, and I love I love the geography, the scenery in the Pacific Northwest. I'm a huge outdoors person, so that's been a real treat. I didn't even know how much I was going to love it. And you know, lastly and and most importantly, I love Pierce College. The culture is really different. Uh, you know, there's a, I always sometimes when I'm talking, I'll say, well, I don't know if I'm speaking from this, from a, an East coast perspective. And so I, I need to figure out, you know, uh, what the culture is here around certain things. And, you know, of course there are a lot of differences just in terms of the legislature and, um, you know, all of the things that we do as a college.
0: Nice. And, um, and so what was it uh, did you know about Pierce College beforehand? Did you know about Washington State? Like, what was it that yeah. drew you out here to the Northwest?
1: Such a great question. I always thought I would say I was a northeastern person. So, um, if when I was ever I was looking for opportunities, it was going to be in the Northeast. But then I got it in my head um, that that Oregon or Washington might be really good. Uh, so I started to broaden my search. And when I saw that that Pierce College had a position open, I was in, because I did know about Pierce College. Mm -hmm. I had attended a session at a national conference um, with some speakers from Pierce College. And this was on the data democratization that the college has done, which I was trying to work on at my current institution at the time, and what had been pretty bumpy. So I was really just so in awe of the work that had been done at Pierce College. I had also known about Pierce College from achieving the dream and from being a top ten Aspen Prize winner. So when the position came open, it was just, you know, okay, I, I don't care what Tacoma is like. If I can get a job at Pierce College, that's where I'm going. And so it's just been even more of a treat to really love Tacoma and the surrounding areas.
0: So you might have found a second home,
1: huh? It, I, I'm pretty sure I have. That's awesome. That's
0: awesome.
2: Yeah. And, and it doesn't sound like there was much of a culture shock coming from the Northeast to the Pacific Northwest for you. Um, particularly, like, looking in terms of of um, equity, diversity, inclusion, and those types of things. As I kind of look at the landscape of the projects that you are... you're just happy to be a part of um you seem to kind of like already have muscle if you will for that type of Mm -hmm. for that type of work and i'm wondering um you know to engage and lead in like Mm projects and i'm wondering um for folks who want to 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 be involved in that way but but maybe don't know how to start do you have Mm -hmm. like a can you, can you prescribe like a generic program or mm-hmm. some, some things to prioritize or focus on for people who want to build that, that allied musculature, if you will? Mm-hmm.
1: That's a, I, I love how you describe that as uh, having a muscle for it. And, and the reason I love it is because you do have to build it and you have to practice it. It's, it's like exercise. And you, it's something you have to do regularly or you lose that muscle. I would say that I have had a a passion for social justice for um, as long as I can remember, to be honest. Uh, I I grew up in a a small town uh, that uh, was very segregated racially. There were a lot of expectations in terms of gender, in terms of sexual orientation, uh, and I kind of bucked up against those uh, all of my Mm -hmm. life. And so I, I went to college with this real idealiz- idealistic approach that lots of young people have. I like to think I haven't lost it. Sometimes I have to get back in touch with it a little bit um, because, because the things are, it's, it's tough work. Um, it's hard work, uh, just like, again, building any muscle. So I think the two things that I would say for folks who really want to develop in that area one is to just jump in and be okay with making mistakes Mm -hmm. be okay with uh be humble um you know know that some days you're going to feel super strong and some days you're going to feel like i can't do this anymore (laughs) um you know and uh, again i'm loving the exercise metaphor the muscle metaphor so learn from others who know what they're doing and who can guide you um, again, that humility of being willing to learn. And the, the second thing I would say is that you have to know yourself. Mm-hmm. And you have to be mindful and really self-reflective. And that's hard work, too. Uh, you know, I look back at some things I've done that I'm like, that, I, that, I would not do that right. today. And I wished I hadn't done it then. Um, but what I can do is just to be mindful of that and use it to guide me moving forward. Uh, it's, it's intensive self-work. And I think that especially white people, you know, when it comes to racial equity um, or folks in other dominant groups and in working with populations that have been minoritized aren't comfortable right. with that self-reflection, um, don't expect it, and they push back against it. And that's where the work, that's the work. Um, and then that's the work as a leader is to try to facilitate folks mm-hmm. in 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 managing that difficulty and that difficulty of that self work in particular. And, so,
0: and also digging in. So uh, I I see that you started your career as a high school English. Is it an English teacher in Ohio? So I, I as is. soon as Ohio stuck it, out, it, um, mm-hmm. I have family from Dayton, Ohio. So we'll. Probably where where, okay. where, in Ohio were you teaching at?
1: Cincinnati.
0: Okay. So you were right down the road. Pretty then. close. You weren't, yeah. Yep. You weren't far yep. at all. So that was, yep. how was, how, what is, what is some of the things that you remember from being mm. an English teacher in that setting to now I'm talking to Dr. Julie White <laughs> of a, of a college campus. Like when you were, when you were an English teacher in Ohio, could you ever imagine being where you are today?
1: I could not. Uh, I loved being a teacher. I always say that teaching taught me everything I need to know to be successful professionally Mm -hmm. and personally in many ways. I was um, the youngest teacher they had hired in many years at this high school. I was the first first first-year teacher they had hired in something like 10 years. And it was a large, diverse high school. So in Cincinnati, it encompassed folks who lived um, everything from subsidized housing to affluent suburbs to very rural areas, and it encompassed uh, black and brown folks. Uh, A lot of people who had come to this country for uh, their families had come for work at Procter and Gamble um, and some of the uh, higher paid industries. And folks who had migrated from Appalachia. Um, and so it was extremely diverse, uh, socioeconomically, racially, uh, in terms of national origin, all of those things. And you know, here I am from a small town in Indiana, and I went to uh, college. I went to two different colleges, but they were both small in Indiana. And then I went to Ohio. uh, I went to Miami University of Ohio, is where I graduated from, and that's a larger public university, but still in a small town. So it it was amazing. I, I mean, it was just amazing. I immediately loved the students. And if anybody in education knows that this is often what happens, the the youngest, the newest teachers got the last pick right. of the courses that they were right. going to teach. So I wasn't teaching AP, um, and, and it was very racially stratified. And so most of my students were poor, um, and many, the majority, were students of color. And um, I'd say the majority were male. So it was really something coming up as a 22-year-old, bright-eyed, bushy-tailed <laughs> young woman <laughs> um, and you know what i learned there first of all uh, i learned cultural humility i think starting then um, i learned there was a lot i didn't understand about my students lives one of the things i did was actually drive the district so i could really understand the communities where my students lived i've done that with the Smart. pierce district too when i first started uh, so that i just had a sense uh, of the community i was new to the community the other thing I learned is that it's important, and that I'm capable of projecting confidence even when I'm shaking inside. Uh, as a brand new teacher, and you're in front of you know these uh, these students who are in some cases five years younger than you, four oh, years younger than you, you know. <laughs> And I had some of them challenge me on that, for sure. So Anyway, that navigating those new, that new environment really taught me a lot, really did build my self-confidence and tell me um, that I could do that, even, again, when I was feeling a little unsure inside. It gave me the skills just to relate to and empathize with students from different backgrounds than I had had. It also, I think, really taught me how to compassionately hold people accountable. Um, So for example, if a student misbehaved in my class, they were not sent to the regular detention. They had had to have detention with Ms. White.
0: It's like, you ain't getting off easy like that. You gonna be here with me.
1: (laughs) Exactly, exactly. And you know, that was more work for me, Um, but Mm. That was what I was there for, and it depending on and I could individualize what the student needed, and, you know and then I found that sometimes students would act out like just so they could could stay after because that was a good space for them, and, and it was like. Yeah. And it's like, you know, you don't have to misbehave. Like we can just talk. You could just be here, you know? (laughs) You
0: don't have to act out to get my attention.
1: Exactly. Exactly. So those are I could go on and on and on about just high school teaching. I did really love it. And you asked me if I could imagine being a president of a college at that time. I would say no, because I didn't. I'm a first generation college student, so I didn't have anyone in my immediate family and community who really were professionals. But what I will say is that I saw that there needed to be strong leadership in education. um, And I I wanted to be a part of that.
0: Uh, And what it sounds like. You know, from that experience to you going to New York, uh, you know, coming from the small town that you did, challenging the norms. It's just like this. Now you're at Pierce, uh, alongside with Michelle and and Dr. Kane, and it and in leading these efforts in ATD, but it's just like. That's always been a part of your life, and now you get to help lead in those efforts. You know, it's an honor to work alongside of you. You know, in these ATD efforts, you said you're a first gen student, so you know you understand a lot of what our Pierce s- students are going through. Um, and then, so let's take it even a, a bit further: is you've been here for two years, but guess what? We've been in almost two years—a uh-huh. whole pandemic—and so you became president of of the College of FS Campus. And then we go into a pandemic Mm -hmm. what was what was that like for you Mm -hmm. to to you're 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 trying to get uh familiar with the community with the institution and then we all have to work remotely and that's you know one thing that we pride ourselves in here at pierce is we have a very unique community and vibe that we're building and growing Mm -hmm. here and a lot of that is being missed as we're working from home so uh, in a leadership role that you have, how has that been, you know, this last year and a half, two years navigating?
1: It was definitely a rough transition for me personally, but I also have come to see some of the things that it's allowed that may not have happened if we hadn't had this experience. So um, I'm fortunate, I think, that I was on campus for eight months before we did have to go remote. And so I did build some relationships during that time. I at least got to know the community. Uh, they got to know me a little bit. Um, I had started my uh, Jam with Julie, which was my, is my open, kind of open, come and talk to me about what's on your mind. And when we re- went remote, I did uh, a Jam with Julie every day for an hour for two weeks just um, so that I could keep in touch with people as they were making this transition, understand what their needs were, hear their experiences, and also to give them a place to connect. And then I gradually have scaled that back as we've gotten more used to it, but it's still something that I do regularly. And what I found is between Jam with Julie, um, all-college meetings, some of the all-college forums that we've had, as well as, Joey, the ATD spaces and the other committees that I'm on, I I think that being remote has actually made all of those things more accessible to more people. So I've gotten to know people that maybe I wouldn't have because they wouldn't have been able to come. I also feel like more people have gotten to know me um, than maybe would have uh, because we have shared those spaces. Now what's been hard about it is I draw my energy from being with people. Um, that's why you know I'm in in this in this work, which uh, I'm sure is true for many of you
0: as well. So um, we talked briefly a little bit about you know the leadership that you um, help provide with um, our Achieve the Dream work. Um, so just just to talk just real briefly a little bit more about that, just um, knowing that us as an institution we're standing firm on being an anti-racist institution and we're leading with equity diversity and inclusion and you know we we talked a lot about you know your background and how that has just been molded in you know kind of your journey and who you are um and so you know and i think you said that that's kind of how you heard about pierce college as well Mm -hmm. is kind of in those efforts and um you know working alongside what what are some of the goals that we hope to continue to achieve while we're doing that, uh, achieve the dream work as we lead with um, EDI. You know, we're uh, uh, Charlie and Don mm-hmm. are building out that EDI cares team. Um, how important is it to send that message? Um, not only send the message, but put action behind mm-hmm. those those efforts. What it what what does that mean? And and how how does that um, determine kind of your approach um, in your leadership and and what you're trying to get across to students faculty and staff
1: yeah you know community colleges have been in a reform mode for a while now the black lives matter movement the tragic murders of George Floyd Breonna Taylor and so so many others have I really catalyzed the movement for racial justice even more and it's so critical to center that in, in the midst of everything that we do. And we know that when we make things better for folks who've been marginalized, everyone does better. Um, and, and we are making sure that we're actually meeting the needs of our students. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's, it's hard, it's again, it's hard work. It's like that uh, equity work that we talked about earlier And the the metaphor that I use, it's a little convoluted, but oftentimes we'll talk about when we're trying to change systems, we'll talk about building the airplane while we're flying it. And uh, the way I've extended that is to say, we're actually trying to dismantle our current airplane and build a new airplane and make sure no one falls out of the sky.
0: Yeah, while we're still up there, right?
1: That's right. That's right. Now, and no one's ever done that. Um, folks have made good progress towards it. There's lots of mm-hmm. models. We have made good progress towards that. Uh, but but I, I say that to just recognize the challenges that are inherent in what we do because I think that, you know, I think we need to have urgent patience, if that's a, a way to put it. You know, right. we need to have urgency. We need to have some level of patience because of the difficulty of the task. But we can't be complacent. I'm not saying that because we got to keep those folks from falling out of the sky. Um, So it's, it's that balance. And in my leadership as I'm talking to people, facilitating meetings, you know, it's always about trying to strike that balance depending on where we are in a particular effort and what kind of support people need. So, with the Achieving the Dream work, we've had a rough couple years in one sense because we've had some leadership transitions with that work. Um, we've had, then we had COVID just as we felt like maybe we were starting to get some things going. And, you know, reforms have continued our math and English uh, developmental education reforms and uh, placement, guided self placement. Uh, you know, lots of amazing things have continued through that. And those achieving the dream groups have continued to meet and to innovate, but I think there have been more stops and starts. There have um, been—it's been harder. What I found is that it's also been harder to communicate because we're not face to face. And uh, we just did a debriefing and a planning meeting with our ATD leadership team, which is uh, Daryl and myself, um, James Lett, Jamie Jones, and Emily Feline, and. You know, we, we're putting a whole communications plan into effect because we yeah. recognize that we, that that's, that's just been so hard to do. And even as we've tried, uh, it just, the message hasn't gotten out to everyone. So I'm excited about that effort moving forward. It's great to have a whole team working on this, um, on the leadership of it, because it requires everything from, a broad vision and perspective of how we want to change to uh, folks with experience at different parts of the institution. You know, what, what Daryl and I see is different than what Jamie and, and sees and James sees and Emily sees. And, you know, we need a whole group of skills And so having kind of all the, again, everything from the skill of being able to set the vision to facilitate a meeting to some project management and getting into the details and, you know, all of that. And so it's a really a great team. I'm excited about how we're going to work with those ATD groups moving forward. I think it's going to be an exciting year.
2: So what what do you think the next steps are that will be effective and successful for what we all need? students, staff, faculty?
1: So, yeah, we, you know, we have the vision, we have the mm-hmm. language. It's, it's enacting that language. And I think we need to look at all of our systems and processes from that anti-racist lens and really actually what I want to say from thinking about how mm-hmm. does that How does that practice perpetuate white supremacy? And we need to recognize that our institutions were built, you know, our college was built on white supremacy because community colleges were really built in the mode of universities and colleges that came before. And if you look at the, you know, I took a class on the history of higher education. I mean, higher education was not meant for any of us in in this Zoom room Right. right here, you know. So there have been accommodations as higher education has developed, uh, but there, there hasn't been the full-blown transformation to build institutions that are meant for all of us. Um, so an example, I think about my own training. So I. Was uh, students in student services, and I worked in advising, counseling, uh, student life-type activities. I, I was a women's center director for some time, I um, and I worked uh, quite a bit in student conduct. And a lot of my training in those areas was if a student had a concern, um, the direction that I often got was. How to how to how to support the student, but if there was a systemic issue, it was like, it was never like, oh well, mm-hmm. maybe that's a policy we need to change, and that's something that makes Pierce College different because Pierce College is asking those questions. Okay, we've got a student problem here. Okay, there's responsibility for the student, but what is the, what right. is the college doing, uh, the district doing to support that student, and. So so much of all of our higher ed training is about gatekeeping, is about maintaining the status quo, um, is about, honestly, prioritizing our current systems, practices, and pedagogies over the needs of the students. Mm -hmm.
2: Tell the truth. Thank you.
1: (laughs) And so we need to figure out how we need to keep asking those questions, and when we have answers, then actually operationalize them. And that's, that's where we're struggling right now. And again, it's because it's really hard work. Um, and so I, I think there's, some, there's been some great work done in some of the areas I've already mentioned. Uh, student Advancement Council is looking at a lot of the student policies from a, an anti-racist lens. The um, There's a committee, I'm not going to remember the name of it, but there's a committee I think that's maybe a subcommittee of the outcomes team, uh, and they're looking at academic policies. So we have academic standards policies. Um, We have uh, academic programs um, that are leading toward a DTA but have uh, some expectations and requirements that are are more restrictive than the DTA requires. Mm -hmm. So where do we have those kinds of things where we have just decided we're going to gatekeep something uh, because that's our training, but it doesn't need to be gatekept, mm-hmm. if that's a word. Uh, so, so, you know, I, to get into specifics, I mean, I think we, so we need to do that kind of a systemic interrogation of our policies and procedures through our governance structure and uh, through our Achieving the Dream and ma- many other spaces uh, we need to keep asking those questions and de- determine how we can innovate, so that we're we're sh- making those shifts, continuing to make those shifts. I don't. There's so much we have done, um, but but we haven't we haven't done enough because we haven't closed our areas of inequities. Nice.
0: Yeah, and so I know we're we're um, getting. To the end of our time a little bit with respects to i i know with our with interviewing dr kane we heard the we heard the dings in his outlook because letting him know he had the next <laughs> meeting coming up so i'm i'm looking i'm i'm listening now because i'm sure you're going to have one coming up here soon so um kind of to, to uh wrap it up here is um We just celebrated um, our graduates um, from this year, so tell us a little bit about how that graduation um, went for you guys at the FS campus and then Uh, Any any message you want to send off to those graduates and then what kind of things can we look forward to as we move um, through summer um, into fall as we slowly start to bring some individuals back on the Mm -hmm. campus slowly start having some classes on campus. Um, So yeah just any sense, how was that graduation and what what can we expect uh, for the future.
1: All right. Well, graduation was so much fun. Um, And we, of course, we had the virtual student awards ceremony. Um, And it's, even though it's virtual, it's so great to be able to celebrate our students. And I'm always so amazed by their accomplishments. I, I have not. So I've not encountered a normal end of of academic year. You know, I've not attended a, you know, quote, normal graduation um, or student award ceremony. And that's my favorite time of the year, because that's when you get to see the fruits of -hmm. of all your labors, you know. And uh, that being said, I, I will just, because I did attend the EDI Cares celebration, because they were able to put a safety plan together and do that and i'll just share one of my favorite moments of that so i was talking about how much i really enjoy this time of the year and i attended the edi cares celebration and i had to leave a little early because i had another appointment and i had a student run after me and this speaks to the silver lining of a a very dark cloud of the pandemic Um, the student um, had been in some village time spaces with me which are our programs where we center the voices of students of color And she ran after me, and and Daryl and I had done those sessions together this year, which was also really great to to be able to have both of us in those spaces. And she said, are you Julie White? And I said, yes, I am. And she said, ah, I just, I had to introduce myself to you because I really enjoyed being in village time with you, and it was Mm -hmm. just so great, and I just really wanted to meet you in person. you know." (laughs) So it kind of speaks to that uh both sides of the pandemic right that that we got to share some really wonderful time together and that it was even more meaningful to meet in person and i was equally delighted
0: to meet her it just speaks to the impact that you that, like you may not even have known how 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 much you impacted right. that student that gave for me for them to seek bit, you out to let you know yeah it gave me goosebumps, just like uh, that's. It's awesome. That's what we're here for. Right? It
1: is. And it gives me chills, too. And, and when I say that's what I, you know, that's, of course, the kind of interactions and, and not just that, just a daily interaction. So, so speaking of that, well, let me actually talk about graduation real fast, which is just to say that that was so much fun, the drive through. Um, I got very hot because uh, I was wearing my regalia through most of it, but uh, oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> towards the end I had to, to take it off otherwise I was just going to pass out, but it was amazing, it was so much fun to see the students and their families and the caravans and the decorated cars, uh, so even as we think about what our next graduation looks like, you know, we may not be able to do something like that because you never know if it's going to rain, but uh, we were having some conversation around how do we bring even more of that kind of festive attitude to it. So, so that was a really, really a highlight. So going um, into the future, as you said, we're gradually adding back student services and classes face to face. We we just received new, uh, new requirements from the governor on what we can and can't do. And so, I mean, literally hot off the presses, Wednesday evening at 6 p.m. or something, we got it. So we, we still have to get a little bit more guidance on what all of that means from the state board, uh, because it's a little different than the rules we've been operating under. So we've got some conversations to have with that. We have a return to campus committee, which helps give us advice uh, and make recommendations. And so we met for a first pass through that uh, proclamation and we'll continue to discuss that. So we'll have to see what that means. Uh, Right now, we are are still requiring masks on campus uh, because we made that commitment. For the summer quarter because we had faculty staff and students who were uncomfortable committing not mm-hmm. knowing what the requirements and we felt like we needed to offer some consistency to them um so i think that we can expect to see though more and more opportunities to come to campus to gather together in safe ways um, i was just listening to a story uh on national public radio that uh you know the vaccines are shown showing to be pretty protective, even against the new Delta variant, um, which is good news. And so we'll, of course, have to continue to monitor public health conditions. We'll continue to have the ability to contact trace um, and to respond if we are to have any outbreaks. So, you know, we've got some more planning to do over this summer. Um, at this point, we've been looking at a goal of 30% of classes on uh, face-to-face or hybrid in the fall. I think we're pretty well on track to that. And I think as we get more clarity, we'll have more folks uh, understand what the rules are and be able to make some good decisions. So it's still a lot to figure out uh, as we say, what, what's it gonna look like in the future, but those are the steps we're taking to get there. And It's a,
0: it's a lot to look forward to though. We, got, we, are, we are very optimistic for the future and, and what we what we're gonna be building out. And like you said, we've learned so much over this pandemic of of new things we can do incorporate, yeah. I mean, I'm I'm envisioning, you know, maybe there's discussions of uh, more opportunities for hybrid type classes and stuff for to you know more accessible mm-hmm. for all of our students. Um, so yeah, just excited, excited for the future, um, and just want to thank you again, Dr. White, uh, for making the time for this. Uh, for our for our listeners out there, we were having a brief conversation before this interview, and if you guys saw the way her face lit up, well, because uh, we're learning that her daughter is coming to visit, um, and it'll be the first time. Oh no, uh, she was here for uh, Thanksgiving when you very first came out here, but hasn't been since. And so, if you if you guys saw the big grin on her face, it's just you know family. Family <laughs> is is you know that's what we're about at Pierce. So I just love seeing the excitement on your face, knowing that your daughter is coming to hang out with you. And I, I wish you guys the many blessings and, and just have the most fun that you can while she's up here. But thank you so much for, for, yes, for joining thanks. us today.
1: Well, thank you very much. It's um, really fun to talk to you. It's, my, it's, it's gonna be one of my favorite parts of the day. I already know <laughs> that. So it's always a pleasure, Joey and Tony. And I've got Kate providing support here in the background. So really appreciate it. Thanks for all that you do.
0: Thank you. Thank you. And that's a wrap.